Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Grutten and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for The Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. So it's back to winning ways for the Blues in the Premier League at the weekend. How good were Brighton? That's one question for my guests to think about. Uh, with Arsenal slipping up, it means it's just now, what, two-point gap at the top of the Premier League after 11 games. And then, of course, in the Champions League, a tricky trip to Dortmund resulted in a nil-nil draw, but it was enough for City to top Group G to discuss that and much more. I have two guests. Welcome to Tony Newgrosh. Hi, Tony. Good evening, Nigel. Good to see you. And welcome also to Spencer Debson. Hi, Spencer. Hi, Nigel. Listen, let, let's just start, if I can, with Brighton, because not many teams come to the Etihad and have more possession than Manchester City. So I think we should give them huge credit, shouldn't we, Spencer? It was a, they were impressive, I thought. Yeah, I mean, Brighton have always uh, sort of overperformed, haven't they, routinely, to a point where I think we, we expect them to play well. Um, and they did play well. Uh, I actually wasn't at the game or, or following it. Um, and I sort of tuned in, you know, after sort of 30, 35 minutes and I thought, ah, oh, you know, uh, normality is resumed. Our, our boy Erling has knocked a couple in and I didn't really know the flow of the game. Uh, but I think when I watched it back later, um, they played well um, and, uh, you know, we, we have, we'll go into the details of the game but uh, and we deserve the win but no they 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 played well brighton and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't easy for us to 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 see the game out but we did we did a good job in the end apart from their gaudy highlighter pen kit tony i thought apart from that i thought they did pretty well 
I thought they did, and I thought a lot of the uh, commentary on the game was a bit disingenuous. A lot of it sort of suggested, well, we kind of we let them into the game for a while, but then we decided we'd be good, and we we just it was a case of how many we'd score. No, as you say, they had fifty two percent possession, and I'd be quite gobsmacked to learn when the last time a team came to the Etihad and had the majority of the possession, and could very easily have, have equalised. They had a very good chance. I think it was Trossard, wasn't it, who uh, forced a good save out of Edison. And I thought they were magnificent. I, I Full credit to them. It's it's very refreshing to see a team come and have a go. And they've tried it in the past. And in the past, sometimes it's blown up in their faces. They've given us a couple of goals. But no, I thought they were magnificent, actually. And I think they're a great credit to the Premier League. Uh, and it's interesting because uh, I, I sit in the Colin Bell stand and, and Pep is often in my eye line, just kind of, I kind of almost sometimes have to look through him. And he, I don't think I've seen him as, as agitated as that and as animated as that for a long time. And there was something tactically that Brighton did that, that got him wound up. Uh, so it was either, I couldn't quite work out whether it was their tactics that were winding him up or the fact that City were not kind of playing the tactics that they talked about on the training ground all week and in the dressing room before the games. So I couldn't quite work it out. Did did either of you see anything particularly tactically that they did? Why? What? Because fifty two fifty two percent possession against Manchester City at home is kind of unheard. Of. You said the last team who did it were oh yeah Brighton. Uh, so, so so there's there's something about this team and there was something about it at the weekend that meant tactically. I'm still trying to work it out. What, what, any any thoughts, any ideas of, of why, it, why it looked that way, Tony? Well, I think Match of the Day made the point they went man-to-man. So they pushed up very high and very hard, and they were pretty brave about that. And indeed, I think that's arguably why we scored the first goal, because Arman Erling dropped deep and then made the run, and there was no covering defender there. So, but no, oh, they no, made no, it very. I was a fan of there, but he sort of uh, he got out of the way a bit quick. Well, he was he was moved <laughs> moved delicately <laughs> out of the way. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I think you'll find. Um, but yeah, he tried to come across. Oh uh, yes, I think that was that was what they did. I say they pushed high up the pitch instead of just trying to defend for ninety minutes. As I say, I I thought they were magnificent, and I would I would I would watch them every week if it wasn't watching City. Spencer, anything to add to that tactically? Yeah, I just, I mean, they, they, they good footballing side. You know, I've always liked Danny Welbeck. I always wondered why he wasn't really, um, he, he didn't, I know he's at Man U originally, but, you know, he's settled into the Brighton team and, and important for them. But you feel he's got, he's got, he's got more, 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 more seniority to him. I, I feel that. Um, Trossard, near post, Edison sort of got a, got a hand to it. Do we feel that, that, that he could have done a bit better? I mean, these are the, the points we bring up about Edison time and again, and it's so easy to criticise a keeper. Uh, it was a good shot from Trossard, but I, I do think he could have done a bit better. Agreed. Um, I think I think we all agreed on that. I mean, keepers never like being beaten at their near post. It's a shame we don't have Steve Cox on tonight, who's our resident keeper, speaks for all keepers. He, he, he was a fine keeper in his day, of course. Uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, I think he would be disappointed. But they just looked at an attacking threat. I mean, the number of times... Uh, I, I, I turned to Stuart, who sits next to me on one side during the game. So they've got four men in the box here, Brighton. You know, going forward, well, they move. The they move as a unit. I mean, they do what we do. They? they move as a unit, possession based, um, and, and and good footballers. I think it's yeah. simple as that, really. I mean, I mean, you know, if you have a good team that, that's 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 cohesive and, and plays in that way, you you will. You know, you've got to you've got to defend, defend well well enough. You know, and, and we've touched on it. You you talked about the fact that that Harland. Uh, we'll we'll talk about the the the, the goal and and clearly 
it was at a point where Pep was getting more and more agitated, and Edison, don't if you notice, was holding onto the ball a lot longer at the back. You know, he was he was just sitting with it and playing it across the back for they were they were waiting for something to happen, I think. And of course, then we found out what it was. They kind of leave this one defender exposed because um, they were pushing up, as, as you've rightly said. And what a magnificent ball for, from Edison! And and then kind of Erling did the rest. So so let's talk about both the pass and the fact that a defender kind of bounced off him. Uh, any any slight view, taking your sky blue spectacles off for a moment, that it might have been a foul, that if that was maybe Anfield, might it have gone the other way? Uh, thoughts on that? Or was that just a an excellent attacker with his eye, only his eye on the ball, only intention was to get the ball, and frankly the defender cut across him and just simply bounced off him because we were going for the ball? Where, where do we sit on that? Any, any indication it might have been a foul? Could you construct an argument around that or, or not really? No, I think very easily, to be honest. I think he, Erling did lead with his hand, quite frankly. Um, I'd have given it as a goal. I think the referee saw it, and I think... We won't mention the VAR word. Oh, just did. But it should only be there to interfere with clear and obvious errors. I don't think it was. But if they'd given a foul for it, I think I'd have probably said, yeah, I can see why. So I think this you think is the so? point you've okay. made. Yeah, no, it's the point, yeah. Nigel, you've often made, isn't it? VAR, is, is, if it's just going to argue subjective decisions, it doesn't really add anything. So, look, blue spectacles on. I thought he did magnificently. Um, VAR went in our favour. We'll take it. But, yeah, it could have been a foul. Spencer, you, you, you've got a different yeah, it's view, a good maybe? point. For me, it was a 70-30, 80-20 in our favour. I mean, he was a, he, you know, he's a big, big lad, you know, he, he, power run and, and sort of move through it. I, I thought it, I think that would have been really harsh to pull that one back. Uh, I just think he, he just out-muscled the oppo and, 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 and put it away. I thought it was a, thought it was a solid goal myself. And I, I have to say, with my referee's hat on, I'm really pleased he, he did give it as a goal because and that is without my blue blue specs on as well because I think he did genuinely have his eye on the ball he was going for the ball and the defender kind of kind of cut across him as well I think if if they're in different positions it might well have been a different decision did he indicate first though Nigel I'm sorry did he indicate before he cut across him I mean you know I think we should you know if this was rule of the road he he, he, you know is it mirror? Is it mirror maneuver? Mirror signal yeah, it's maneuver? Something isn't like it? that, isn't yeah. it? He did throw himself to the floor as well, and I think he certainly did. Frankly, when somebody does that, yeah, exactly, absolutely. Well, and actually, sorry, Nigel. No, go on. No, go on. No, I was only going to say that there were, there were actually two Brighton defenders back there. And, and the, I mean, we love watching these when it's a goal. It's a good thing to watch 10 times, isn't it? But, you know, <laughs> Edison, it, you know, the ball arced around. And the way he peeled off, you know, past the first defender and then, you know, man, you know, manoeuvred or out-muscled the second one, um, was, it, was, it was, again, Haaland making something really difficult look. Easy is not the, not the description, but, but look, uh, look routine. Uh, and I thought yeah. it was absolutely, absolutely magnificent goal. You've ruined it for me, both of you now, because Roger, who sits the other side of me, gave me clear instructions not to mention, try and get through a pro, uh, a show without mentioning VAR. So we failed miserably on that one as well. So uh, there we are. We've done it now. Uh, there were you a can't number... every goal they review, though, don't they? How can you avoid it? It's ridiculous. And then we've not even mentioned the penalty yet, Nigel. Well, that's where we go next, of course, which is oh. I kind of preface it with that. So penalties, plural. Um, because I think Haaland had a good case, and then some have argued that Bernardo led with his leg and kind of played for the foul, and I suppose you can't really argue with either of those, can you really? And this is where it just becomes so ridiculous. And not only that, but being in the stadium and knowing that there was a good shout for a pen, I literally watched the referee for two minutes. And I watched him and watched him and watched him. You could just tell he was listening in his ear, 
And literally two minutes later, I saw him put the whistle to his mouth. Well, that's it. It's going to be a penalty. And it's just, I mean, that just, isn't that just, I don't know. I, I'm, I just, be, I'm lost for words really. So help me out, either of you. Spencer, help me out here. What's going on? Come on. Well, look, it's, it's this, this conversation that comes up again and again, isn't it? I mean, actually looking at the merits or otherwise, is it a penalty? Uh, I actually think it was a very soft penalty, to be honest, because I think that um, Bernardo was obviously trying to trick his way through. I actually think he pushed the ball ahead and had, quote, lost lost control of the ball and actually pushed it ahead. And then somewhat cumbersomely, I don't necessarily think he was purposefully looking for the foul, but his his foot was out at a, a bit of an awkward angle there. Uh, you know, and he went down and so on. But I think the ball was rather far away from him at that point in the crowded penalty area. Uh, um, so I think it was a soft pen uh, myself. That's my view. Would you agree, Tony? You're kind of nodding there. I'm not sure if you're nodding off and, and falling asleep or you're actually nodding in agreement here. Well, I think so. technically, I think you would say the Erling one was arguably the stronger case because he was caught. And I think, yes, if you look at Bernardo, it's quite subtle, but he does, yes, I think it does look like he's inviting the contact. Look, I'm sadly largely with you on this, Nigel. I think it's it, VAR should only be there at a very high threshold of completely the wrong decision. You look at it once in real time. If it's not bloody obvious, we move on. So I think being a neutral, I'm not sure either of them should have been penalties, to be to be honest. When have you ever been neutral? Exactly. It'll never That's- happen. Listen, let's not spend too much time on this. So we, we got ourselves ahead. Uh, we, we've touched on, on the goal. And I thought it was a great goal from Brighton. It sounds like I'm a Brighton fan here because I think they, they moved the ball quickly and, and a great finish. We've, we've kind of covered the, the Edison issue. But then a piece of magic, which you do love a shot, don't you, from 25 yards just in the perfect spot, just out of the reach of the keeper that ripples the net. It's kind of, yeah, there's, I just love the fact that you know, you've got the team goals, yeah? You've got the the one you crash in from 30 yards with a free kick that just... And then you have the beauty that is Kevin De Bruyne. Let's, let's have a few minutes just celebrating that. Spencer, your... your... Well, I think they've, they've got the, uh, the sculpture material out for the fourth uh, statue that will come in three or four years, maybe. But, uh, I mean, he, he he's so uh, elegant. We've seen it a lot of times, haven't we? But I love the way he reacts after the game, uh, KDB. You know, he's not, he's very, he's, 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 not, he's not arrogant, but he's nonchalant, isn't he? The way he says, yeah, it was just sat up well, it felt really good, and I look forward to doing it again, you know? <laughs> it's a sort of, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just quality. And I mean, I think, you know, he was the man of the match, really, wasn't he, against Brighton? I think he was, you know, back to his his best and, and capped it off with a with a beautiful, beautiful goal. You know, I, I don't think he was. I don't think he had a particularly good first half. I thought he gave the ball away. I didn't think he necessarily had a great game. Um, around us, we thought Laporte was magnificent, actually. Defensively, was outstanding, and he was our man of the match. But listen, what do we know? What do we know, hey? <laughs> Tony, well, Kevin We've got five good defenders, haven't we? You know, we've got five of them now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Spotify. 
So KDB, a few words on KDB. And also, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts also, Tony, about kind of the comments that Pep made about him after the game as well. Yeah, interesting. I Look, I share your views. I didn't think... I thought we were fairly workmanlike for most of the game. And as we said, credit to Brighton for a lot of that. But no, fantastically, just just stroked the ball into the top corner. And who doesn't like a good stroke? Let's be honest about it. And he just made it look very easy. Lovely. It was a lovely flowing move. Great finish. And I think it was Jordan Henderson who described him as a class act on and off the field. And I think that's absolutely true. He's very modest. He's a team player. Um, Pep's comments were quite interesting. Yeah, listen, he's been magnificent, I think, for most of the season. That wasn't his, perhaps his finest game. Yeah, a bit of kitology from Pep, I suspect. And we all know what a perfectionist Pep is as well. So I don't think it was meant as, as too harsh a criticism. And if that's him having a poor game, then I guess I guess we can live with it, with those moments of sheer class, because we needed oh. that to, to finish oh. I'm obviously looking through very rose tinted glasses because I really genuinely thought he had it. It was especially good in the second half. Uh, that was the 601st Premier League goal, so we're told. And, so under, were, under Pep Guardiola, I think. Under Pep Guardiola, yeah, yeah. And I thought, blimey. Only, only, t- only two other managers, I think, have achieved that with one club. I think it's, it's, it's 600 with one with one manager, isn't it, in one club? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think Ars- I mean, Arsene Wenger and some Scottish drunk from from just outside Manchester. The other one, I think. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know about their about their scoring rates, but because um, this is the seventh season, isn't it? And in the first six, I think we exceeded a hundred goals on on a couple of occasions, and then we've been in the eighties and nineties. But if you think about that over thirty eight games, I don't know what the the maths is two point five a game, but get you know, it's an, an incredible scoring statistics um, season after season after season. Um, and, you know, and now we've bagged ourselves uh, a proper striker. So, you know, it all augurs well for the rest of this season. And three so, goals again at home, wasn't it? Which is also a record the number of times we've done that. And we'll, I'm sure Stato can enlighten us next week. But no, we're exactly. looking unbeatable at home at the moment. So this sort of tussle with Arsenal, can I just sort of talk, touch about that for a second as well? Because, and I keep reminding people, everybody said, now Arsenal, they've, they've not got a particularly strong squad, not, not, not huge depth haven't really had any injuries. And I remember having exactly this conversation about a team from Leicester. And we had the same conversation. Don't worry, lads. City will do it. Yeah, they'll have injuries. They've not got that strong a squad. But Leicester just kept going and going and going and won the league. So I just... Your thoughts on that before we kind of move on to the Champions League and then look forward to uh, the, the game actually against... Interesting, against Leicester at the weekend. But but your your thoughts about... Arsenal's a squad. Clearly, we know they've got two excellent buys in the summer. Uh, they've got a good manager who was coached by one of the best. Your th- your thoughts? Is is this? Are Arsenal a real threat? Are they our biggest threat this season, or do, are you of the school of thought that actually, yeah, at some point, it's all going to come tumbling down? I think they are a genuine threat. I, I do, and I do think this point about um, depth of squad and injuries is. A very uh, important one. I mean, both uh, Leicester in that in that title-winning season, indeed Liverpool when they won. You know, we, they had very, very few injuries. And I think if Arsenal can stay injury-free, uh, we're now 10, 11 games into the season. Uh, we've seen, you know, we know what Arteta's about. We know what the Arsenal team's capable of. Young, enthusiastic, got the got the bit between their teeth. And I do think uh, more than I thought four or five games ago. I think there will be a genuine threat this season, and I think we can't afford to to, to make any slip ups. Do you agree? And do you see it? who else do you see? Because Liverpool have had a 
a couple of dodgy games, which is quite good. They obviously went and beat us, of course, but but since of just before and since then, they've had dodgy. Who else do you see, Tony? Are Arsenal the real threat, or do you see any of the other Spurs or Chelsea? Who else? Well, it was a fantastic weekend for us generally, wasn't it? None of the sort of traditional top six won, apart from our good selves. Um, Arsenal, are they the real deal? I've not been consistently hugely impressed with them this season. They've had a few good games. They've ground out a few results. No team who's in the Europa League, I think, can can rest on their laurels. That's a killer, that competition, isn't it? Certainly when you get through to the latter stages and you're schlepping to Eastern Europe on a Thursday night. So I think they've done very well so far. I certainly think with a better team, the better team doesn't always win the league, as, as arguably Leicester may have proven that time. Um, it's difficult to see who else is is really challenging. Spurs look typically Spursy and certainly have over the past week. Chelsea, I don't think, are there yet. That team from Stratford, well, enough said about them. Liverpool have been quite extraordinary this season, haven't they? Breaks my heart, suffice to say. But um, <laughs> So I'm struggling to see who else of the traditional top six can challenge. I'd look, I think it's ours for the taking, is all I can say. It's a shame in many respects the Arsenal game was called off because that would have been been a marker. On the other hand, having just come off the back of a Liverpool defeat, that might have been a, a, a tough game for us. But yeah, I think we'll all be a bit wiser once we've played once we've played Arsenal, we've got to play Spurs as well as a catch-up game, and then I think the league will settle down. But look, I'm very happy where we are at this stage. Let's put it that way. And the other thing that we're all having to contend with, of course, and I don't want to get into the political questions of why it was chosen or how it was chosen or how many manila envelopes full of cash were, were sort of slushing around during those decisions. But we've never had this situation where in the middle of a season we break for four weeks. Some teams will have a number of players, there will be injuries, others will have few players, etc. All the, all the arguments we understand. How, what, what are your thoughts? I haven't asked this question actually in the podcast. I guess over the next few weeks we'll become more in focus and I guess we should focus on it a bit more. What what impact, what thoughts have you had, guys, on, on the, a World Cup in the middle of a Premier League season, which is bizarre in itself, as I've already indicated. But what, what, what impact might it have on the league and indeed on City and, and our prospects of winning another Premier League title? Any, any thoughts on that? Tony, where, where, where are you going on this one? Well, as you say, we're in uncharted territory, aren't we? So it's it's very difficult to call. I think it's more generally just a shame we've got a World Cup in a matter of weeks and it's almost no one's even talking about it, are they? It's just not something I can get vaguely excited about at the moment. Look, in any year, there's a lot of luck involved in winning the league and I'm not in any way denigrating what Leicester done or what we've done over the past few seasons, but you need a bit of luck with injuries, etc., And I think that will be borne out with the World Cup. Who's going to come back with a squad of fully fit players? Who's going to come back with a load of additional injuries? The fact that Erling has a month off, I think, is uh, clearly only helpful towards us. There's always talk of us having great strength in depth. I'm not sure how true that is, to be honest, anymore. So I think it's just another wild card, to be honest. And who can manage it the best? I think it's been very clear that Pep has been doing far more rotation than perhaps historically he has done. And I think we're in good shape at the moment. So I think that's all we can say. I'm, I would like to get excited about the World Cup. I hope we do well. England, doubt it, but we'll see. I hope it's a success. Doubt it, but we'll see. But, you know, the only one thing that matters to me is that we come back and we batter everyone and win the league again. Spencer? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Tony said most of it, hasn't he? But I mean, it's true that when you have momentum uh, and then there's this 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 big <laughs> block of time, you know, a month in the middle, um, things can change and injuries will be important. Uh, I mean, we've got obviously Harlan rested, uh, Riyad Mahrez rested, although he's not having the best of seasons, let's be honest. Uh, but most of our squad will be away. We don't know how deep into the tournament England will go. Um, and I do think fatigue on the return, you know, and having to sort of regroup, uh, I think we go back to it. Is it the, the just before Christmas or around then? Um, things can change. Uh, so we're, we're in uncharted territories. But I think at the end of the day, uh, we, we we will we'll, we'll be okay. But we have to wait and see. Okay, let's talk about then the Champions League. Um, went away to Dortmund, and Erling Haaland started, of course, against his old club. Uh, and we came away with a with a point that we needed. Actually, they were happy with that as well, of course, because they then qualify as well. But we go through as as group leaders of uh, of Group G. Um, your your reflections and thoughts on on the game. Um, who wants to go first? Who wants to go second? Well, I'll go. <laughs> well, it was what you know, one of those nights or whatever it was. It was one of those, wasn't it? Really, I mean, both. Um... Both teams um, would be not unhappy with a with a draw. Uh, I don't think there was any um, uh, particular momentum to to, uh, to 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 take risks at the back. Certainly not on the part of uh, of Dortmund, um, who needed this point to qualify. Um, the point takes us to the top. So, in a way, you can look back and say, "Well, it was going to be like that, wasn't it?" I mean, you know, the, the, the game had its moments. Um, we'll come on to talk about the details and the, and the penalty thing. Um, I was concerned that that uh, I know there was a uh, Harland and uh, and Jack and Seller went off at half time, didn't they? Which is a very very unusual thing. Uh, that that that's that's atypical. Um, he had a bit of a bug, according to Pep. Bit of a bit, bit, of, a bit bug of a bug and a bit of a you know and a bit of a knock, and then you you know you think, oh blimey, you know, is this the start of something with with Erling? You know, we know that he's come in with somewhat of a reputation for for knocks and, and things of that nature. So that was the only thing that leaves a small question mark, but. We, you know, we played competently. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the penalty, but uh, nil-nil was was satisfactory all round. Really, it's just one of those one of those games. We're a better better side overall, but they had chances as well, Tony. They certainly did. Probably should have taken the lead. Yeah, it was a bit disappointing, wasn't it? I, I, it was one of those games I was really looking forward to. On the one hand, there wasn't quite the the nervousness you have. You know, if we lose and it's the end of the world, we we would still have qualified. And you thought Dortmund would also go for it. I was looking forward to a good attacking game of football in the end. Nil-nil, not that exciting really, was it? But job done. Thoughts, second half certainly defensively, we tightened up and good to see Stones back for example. Ake did well. Akanji, I thought, had a good game and Diaz looks back to his best. So quite a few positives. Cancelo looks like he might need a bit of a break to be honest and as you say, let's just hope Erling is fine. I think he was. He, He went for a nice little wander around the pitch after the game, which didn't suggest there was too much wrong with him. But yeah, job done. We move on. I had to uh, be on the road yesterday. Uh, It wasn't planned. It was a bit of a last minute uh, crisis. And uh, I was actually on the road during the game. Uh, I recorded it. Um, Couldn't get to Dortmund. uh, Recorded and haven't even watched it yet. Uh, We're recording this the night after. Um, And the only way I could get it was through Talk Sport. And Jim Proudfoot was the commentator. And... He started his commentary by saying, Manchester City in their laser blue shirts. And you know me and Kits, you know, I have a bit of a 
pedant when it comes to kits and so on. So, of course, the next wee break I, I, I sort of made on the motorway, I kind of got straight onto Twitter, and I sent him a, a message. And I said, due to commitments today, I'm having to rely on Jim Proud at Jim Proud for commentary at TalkSport, uh, recording the match to watch it later. Did you say Man City are playing in laser blue? It is sky blue. City haven't played in laser blue since official Sean Gota played. Um, and to be fair to him, he came back and immediately, obviously at halftime, he was obviously looking through his tweets, and he came back and said, I stand corrected, apologies. I thought, good on you. Hmm. And it gets better. Ten minutes into the second half, Jim Proudfoot goes, Manchester City, and he just paused slightly and said, in their sky blue shirts, I thought, yes. So there you go. Thanks to me, we got the right colour on TalkSport, which is important. It makes me feel better as well, Spencer, you know. 40,000 people listening in would have just breathed a big sigh of relief there. Nice. Oh, thank goodness for me. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge thanks to me. So uh, so there we are. Thank you, Jim. If you're listening, I know you listen every week. Thank you for listening and, and, and making that change. Um, let's talk about the penalty then. Here we go. It's got to be done. Uh, the papers are full of it. Every every tweet, every, every radio airwave has had the why on earth is... I said Reem Sterling then. Why on <laughs> earth is, Re- is Riyad Mahrez still taking penalties? Of course, Erling was off the pitch, of course. He must have been kicking himself. A guaranteed goal he never misses. So what, what's going on here? Was it a case of, look, he's got to get his confidence back? But he's missed a lot, hasn't he, Spencer? And some important ones. Well, having undertaken a great technical analysis, I can report that I have absolutely no idea. I really don't. Uh, I mean, these things, uh, of course, you can ne- never replicate in the, on the, uh, the training pitch the, the emotion and the, and the dynamic of the moment. But it is a curiosity, isn't it? Apparently, um, City have had the most uh, penalty misses of any, of any top-flight team in, in, in recent times. Was it? I can't remember what the numbers are. 20, 25. 25, about a 90 or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so just just to be clear, so out of ninety, we've missed twenty five. Is that what you're saying? I think so. Is that right, Tony? Have I picked up the right numbers? We've, it was about we've certainly missed twenty five. I know that. I'm not it sure. It was about seventy thirty. Yeah, yeah. We've we've missed sort of. You know, it didn't happen like that when Franny Lee was taken. It's out of eighty, I believe. Actually, oh, eighty. Okay, fine. Okay. Franny Lee never okay. missed. So, um, you know, it is a low strike rate, isn't it? Um, I, I, I can't add any particular value to the conversation other than to say that, um, you know, the media love to, 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 you know, report things that are noteworthy and, that, you know, there's more fun in reporting the misses than the... Than, than and we, and we, listen, we've got to talk about that. Is that, that is a big percentage. And, and, you know, it's very easy, isn't it, to say, of course, we, Pep is absolutely on to everything, yes, tactically, in terms of man management, he gets everything absolutely right. So it's only fair yeah. to ask the question: Why we are getting penalties quite wrong? There's a, mm. Why are we not doing something about this? Or if whatever we're doing can't be right, can it, Tony? Let's. I, I hate to criticise the great Pep Guardiola in Manchester City that we all love. We know that. That I, that, that comes with the territory. We know that. But is it not right that we should? at least spend a few minutes asking the question, what's going on and what should we be doing about it? No, absolutely. And it's it's quite extraordinary. I mean, look, my heart sunk when we went on a penalty last night. It just seemed very predictable. And, you know, occasionally a keeper will pull off a great save, fair enough. But of the three of the last, he's missed three of his last four, Mares, and they've all been poor penalties, just sort of hit at a nice height for the keeper to save. You know, there's a bit of luck that he goes the right way. But if he goes the right way, he's going to save those every single time. 
And I don't understand, as you say, these are professional footballers. Surely you do what I used to do as a kid, which is practice with your left foot and your right foot in the bottom left corner, the bottom right corner, until literally you can do it blindfold. Now, Spencer said, OK, there's the big match pressure and all that, but these are professional professional footballers and that, it's not even just the penalties to be honest the corners have been poor these the set pieces have been poor of late it just seems to be a bit of a blind spot but Gundogan has an 88 percent success rate with penalties um why didn't he take it last night it just seemed Mares, as you say maybe it was a case of trying to get his confidence up but I suppose he won the pen and maybe and that was the momentum yeah and look we could talk about whether that was a penalty I thought that was uh, a little bit generous shall we say but yeah. there you go um, but we've missed some real big ones haven't we I mean I was just having thought to myself before we've missed two against Liverpool we missed one against Chelsea that would have won the league albeit we still won it the West Ham one that would have made life a lot simpler for all of us last year etc 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 you know, we're the favourites for the Champions League, aren't we? And by quite a distance. It's extraordinary, really. We digress a little bit. I heard this morning on the radio, Real are 8-1 to one to win the Champions League. And, you know, they just win it every year. And yet, we're odds-on almost to win it. It will cost us one of these days real big time. Last night, all right, was frustrating. But just... You know, we've got so many great technicians who can pass the ball pinpoint under pressure. And yet exactly. you put the ball on the spot and just say, just pass it into that corner. And we just can't do it. I don't know what the answer is apart from uh, who, just so listening to you, then, so you, you presumably Harland is obviously the first choice if he's on the pitch. But if he's not, you'd, you'd sort of gun to and get him on that training ground doing what you said when you were a, a four year old in, in North Manchester growing up. South man. Manchester, please, Nigel. Let's, I let's do, be I careful here. Time, yeah. I love, I love <laughs> with your Tony on time. the south, with your Tony. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, Gundo doesn't start every game, doesn't he? So that makes it a little bit more difficult. But yes, surely somebody literally blindfold them, say you put it through that tyre 10 times. And when you've done that, you can go home after training. Go for your tea. Yeah. yeah. I think go the thing with Gundo on is he's got, he's got that mentality, hasn't he? He's, he? You know, he's a strong character. Um, and you, you you sort of back him from a from a being able to cope with the pressure standpoint every time um, to, to 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 see it at home. But as you say, it's not always in the team. So yeah, I think the point we should also make is you know we would have forgiven Mares if he'd had a brilliant game last night, but he, I thought he it sort of capped his evening, didn't it? Yeah, wasn't it? We, he had a, one of his poor ones. Let's let, mm. let's be fair. Well, certainly they were talking because they had Stuart Pierce actually as the summariser. Um, and he was saying he just kept coming on inside on his left foot and, and just going into traffic every time. He was kind of a bit one-dimensional and didn't have a great game, according to the commentary. Uh, yeah, so, no, so, fair so, comment. Talking of sky blue shirts for a moment, actually, and not laser blue shirts, a bit of news I picked up on today, which I'm sure you saw as well, was that um, Sergio Aguero's shirt that he scored in the 93rd minute plus 20 seconds against Queen's Park Rangers to win the Premier League for Manchester City for the first time in 44 years or whatever it was. Um, I remember that. Yeah, I was there as well. Yeah, Yeah, I was there. Uh, And it's come up for sale. And, uh, yeah, 20 grand. I mean, come on, it's got to be, it's going to go for more than that, hasn't it? You're, You're... we won't go into the story of kind of the kit man and it being left behind and Mario Balicelli can read up on it yourselves. Um, but of course, what an exciting, someone who's got a bit of spare cash. You, you I think it'll be someone in you? South Manchester, don't you think? Uh, it won't right. be a North Manchester person, will it, Tony? It'll be a South Manchester person. <laughs> well, I think we should have a whip round. <laughs> so we could go round. So yeah, Lisa, Rob, 
get everybody to so Steve Cox. Yeah, what, what do we think? It, what do we think it will? It will go for. I reckon. It, I reckon it could go for hundred grand. Well, really? I thought, I thought twenty was very cheap. Look, as a marker, I acquired a signed shirt signed by Yaya Torway, Manuel Pellegrini, and there's one other signature on it which I can't recognise, and that cost me two hundred and thirty quid, which was all went to charity. I'm very, very glad to give. But you know, if that's worth two hundred and thirty, I suspect this is worth. A fair bit more. I mean, it's a great story as well for anyone who hasn't just, read about just how it just got that, left behind. Imagine if that exactly. Imagine if that third signature was was kind of Messi or Maradona. Your two hundred thirty quid could have been well spent, couldn't it? It may well be someone who never played a first team game for City and just happened to be walking past and thought everybody was signing it. It might be you, Nigel. For all I that's know, that's very unlikely. I think that's very unlikely. <laughs> I'm going to have to find out now. Uh, there is a way of finding out, isn't there, of course, because there's someone at the club will know who that signature yes. is. Yes. Right. Hey, what about your memorabilia then? Uh, you you are, you are someone who's bought stuff in the past then, Spencer? Um, no, my memorabilia comprises the um, the remnants of the flags that from the various cup finals that okay. I have adorned it behind me. Um, I haven't shelled out proper money for any city memorabilia, actually. My, my, um, my cousin Mark Ballin has. Uh, and actually, he actually also commissioned um, the Dennis Stewart overhead, um, somebody to do that and present it to Dennis Stewart. You'll be pleased to know. So That's there's nice. all sorts of things going on in the background. But he, he's got quite a, quite a bit of stuff. Well, can I, I tell that... you, when we when we beat Charlton 5-1 to go, when was that? Was that 89? Oh, Something probably. like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I was on the pitch and I kept a bit of the pitch and grew yeah. it in my bedroom for many a year. So that's about the only other piece of city i have we've all, we've all got a bit of main road grass on our yeah gardens. come on and, and, and i think i've said on the show before that my dad of course bought his seat from the kipax and 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 bolted it to a tree in his garden so he's got uh we've got, <laughs> he's got his main road seat so we've all we've got a bit of memorabilia haven't we fantastic listen if you're interested uh have a look at that aguero shirt we know that there is one member of the city podcast but, but uh team who has uh, on our whatsapp group who regularly comments uh, has put a bid in and i guess he's serious knowing he's a man of means we won't mention his name on air he is a man of some means and we wish him luck with his uh, with his purchase maybe he'll bring it on the show one week and we can we can all uh, share his experience uh listen one more thing to talk about before we go and that's the small matter of former premier league champions leicester city um, who have fallen on harder times, it's fair to say, um, who are languishing at the bottom of the Premier League against the champions, Manchester City. You'd like to think, Tony, we're going to go there and uh, despite the exhausted trip to Germany, you'd like to think that that's uh, it's an early kickoff on Saturday and uh, you'd like to think we should do the business there, shouldn't we? You do. There's nothing better than bagging three points in the 12.30 kick-up on a Saturday, is there? And uh, job done and see how everyone else does. They've they've turned the corner a little, haven't they? They won 4-0 last week, albeit an extraordinary game where I think the Wolves had 28 shots and still managed to lose 4-0. But yeah, I think, I think that's exactly the sort of game we should win and win comfortably if we are the real deal. And I, I think we are. Hopefully, Erling, as we said, is is fine. Tuesday to Saturday gives us a, a a reasonable break. So, yeah, I'm as confident as you can ever be with the game. I'm always a bit of a a Lisa Rabinovitz and a bit of a bit of a warrior at heart, as I'm sure most of us are. But I think we'll be fine. 
Yeah, listen, Spencer, your, before we go, your, your thoughts ahead of the Leicester game at Saturday, Saturday early, uh, early You kickoff. know, you say Leicester, are at the, they've just come off the bottom, haven't they? Um, actually, when they when they play, they can play. So I, I wouldn't think it's a, a, a slam dunk. Um, of course, I think we'll, we should win the game. But I think it'll be a little bit tougher than we, we may imagine. But I think, I think we'll win the game. Listen, it's been a huge pleasure. Thank you to my two guests, to Tony Newgrosh and to Spencer Debson. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you all very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.